Welcome to Radar. This program can be heard at thevinyldistrict.com or anywhere fine podcasts are found. Here is your host, Evan Toth. The Afrobeat sound has become a very popular genre in the last few years. Many bands from all over the world have embraced this exciting, funky sound that combines elements of West African music and couples it with American funk, jazz, and soul. While these recent creators make some wonderfully exciting music, the Super Yamba Band has a secret weapon that the others don't have. And his name is Kaleta. Born in the West African country of Benin Republic and raised in Lagos, Nigeria, Kaleta is a longtime veteran of the Afrobeat scene. He's toured with none other than the godfather of Afrobeat music, Felakuti, but over the years, he's also lent his guitar chops to Lauren Hill and others. Coletta finds himself teaming up with the Super Yamba Band, a group of young American musicians who have a supreme devotion and dedication to the music of West Africa and Afrobeat in particular. Coletta and Super Yamba Band find themselves back on the road, still supporting their last release, Medahau. However, they reveal that they have completed a follow-up album which is on the shelf and promise to get to that right after their tour ends. But first, it's what some might see as a pinnacle of their performing schedule, the Kennedy Center on November 13th. Also joining us in the conversation is the band's drummer, Daniel Yunt. He and Coletta explore and describe how much they value the authenticity that Coletta brings to their group, but also how Coletta appreciates the youth and exploratory nature of the band that he has connected with. On all accounts, it seems as though this symbiotic union was a match made in heaven. You'll also hear us discuss how Coletta found his favorite records in Lagos and the experience of being fined by Fela Kuti. You can hear a lot of Afrobeat out there nowadays, but only the Super Yamba Band has someone who was there during its formation. Only they have Kaleta. So who am I here with? I'm here with, uh, we've got Kaleta, and you, sir, are the, uh, are you the drummer? Yes, I'm the drummer. I'm Daniel. Hi, Daniel. You guys are wrapping up a touring schedule, and you've got about another month or so on the road. And how's it been returning to live performances? I guess you guys have been off the road for a while. Yeah, it's been um, it's been pretty incredible. This year has been a great year for the band. Um, we, you know, at the beginning of the year, we didn't know how it was going to go. Um, obviously, like, you know, the holidays and the start of 2022 was... Um, you know, overshadowed by the Omicron kind of situation. And right. we even had some gigs around the holidays and around New Year's that were canceled. So we really didn't know um, what this year was going to be like. But fortunately, um, it's turned out pretty great for us. And we've, you know, been playing a bunch of shows, been touring, been hitting a bunch of music festivals. And it's just been great to kind of be, at, be back out here. And um, the crowds have been just incredible, you know, just like, that much more eager to see live music and you know we, we play our music is like is for dancing so it's like it, it really kind of gets these crowds going and it, it's just been amazing to see people back out there dancing and smiling and having a good time people need that they need to move they need to dance right <laughs> absolutely 
They got to do it. What are some of the differences between, you know, the as you said, you're doing a club date tonight, but you've also done a lot of festivals. You know, what are the pros and cons to you guys of each of those different kinds of venues? What do you what do you look for? What do you what do you hope to uh, achieve in each one of those environments? Um, that's a great question. Uh, I don't want to speak for Kaleta, but um, to, for, for me, I feel like, you know, the festivals can be really fun, um, obviously, depending on. There's a lot of factors like weather, um, what stage you're playing on, what time of day. Catering, you're catering, you got a good catering. <laughs> yeah, that that too, <laughs> of course. But you know, so those can be a lot of fun. But there there are a lot of um, variables, and and sometimes it, it comes together perfectly, and um, it's a really exciting experience. Um, with the club shows, sometimes we have a little more time to stretch out, you know, we might play two sets um, or, you know, we've, we've had like a nice long sound check and we've gotten things dialed in just how we like them. And, and that's, that's kind of fun too, to be able to present the band in that way, as opposed to a festival where, you know, it can, it can go a number of ways. Sometimes you're in a big rush, um, but they're both fun. Oh, well, you already said it. Uh, the only difference is that, uh, when the weather is not good outside, so yeah. the club is better playing. Right, right, that's what we. Right, I know they try to do a lot of things with heaters and uh, the, you know keep the rain off of you, but it's it's no fun playing out in the rain. Exactly. <laughs> right, you've got a big show coming up uh, next month at the Kennedy Center. You must be looking forward to that. What's the story behind that that gig? That seems to be almost the 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 pinnacle of this tour for you guys this year well i think uh um it's gonna be fun um to to play in such a venue and also that kind of uh musical setup i think uh, we are excited to do it right i believe we're gonna we're gonna have good times mm -hmm. Good. And, you know, and does playing there, does it make you feel, you know, there's something prestigious about playing there that, uh, uh, you know, do you feel like, well, obviously I'm sort of answering the question for you, but you must feel very proud to sort of present your music there and, uh, and be a part of, uh, you know, a pretty small group of people that have played there. It's not, it's not everybody gets the opportunity to be there. And it says something about you and who you are to, to sort of make it there, right? Yeah, just like uh, Apollo Theater, we play there. It, it is that kind of setup I'm thinking about. You know, nice. it's rare to have people. You know, but we we made the Apollo Theater, and we're gonna make this. So I think it's fun. It's gonna be fun. Cool. Yeah, and it'll be a nice conclusion to a, to our long year of touring. Yes. So it'll definitely be a landmark, and I keep like my mom is really excited about it. <laughs> For instance, like certain certain people are like keep pointing out that we're playing there and they're like, wow, that's, that's a big deal. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. it is. Wow. <laughs> well, it's true. When you're whipped up in the tour, you know, you're kind of focused on tonight and tomorrow, you know, and maybe right. on yesterday. But so you're not really thinking that far ahead. Uh, you guys got a lot of uh, gas left in the tank because you are coming towards the end of the, the tour. You're probably getting ready to getting ready to. I, I know you still have a lot of energy left for your shows, but you're probably excited to get back home and uh, take a little break, too. Yeah, we've, we've still got some gas in the tank. We, we just had two days off, so we should be pretty well rested. Um and yeah, at this point, I mean, we've we've played some pretty incredible shows, even without getting a lot of rest, or maybe we had a long drive to get there. And I think we're just we're just kind of programmed to 
to make it happen no matter what, you know. Kaleda, you've you've traveled many miles in touring, uh, playing over your career, uh, Fela Kuti and Lauren Hill. And, uh, you know, how does this time on tour, you know, what have you learned over the many years sort of playing and bringing your music to different audiences and playing with different performers? You know, how do you how do you feel playing music now as opposed to maybe 20 years ago? Oh, the touring have not changed that much. Uh, it involves traveling, it involves being on stage, it involves meeting people uh, from different walks work of life. It's just an extension or continuation of what I've been doing. Uh, the only difference now is the, the music is solely what I've been listening to as a child, as a kid. Uh, it's like it is bring uh, you know brought back to me mm. you know once again wow you know um when i was playing with felacuti it is solely afrobeat nigerian style just afrobeat right but before then i was listening to polyrhythmo or listening to music from other parts of africa benin and traditional music from where i was born in port Nouveau. Uh, but now i met a you know this band, these brothers who have who have listened to the same type of music I listened to, so it's like it was uh, uh, something that was supposed to be connected, and finally, it is it, it has been connected. So I, I feel so good about it. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, growing up in Lagos and how did you kind of come to the guitar? How did you how did you find your way to to music as a young man? Well, as a young kid, around 10, 11, 12 years old, I couldn't afford to get a guitar. And you could see guitar, you know, people playing on TV, but I hardly saw anyone playing it until Polyrhythmo played at the college not far from me. And I had to get on the street to see them because I couldn't afford to get in. <laughs> and I saw the really people playing guitar. I said, wow, I love this thing, but I couldn't afford it. Right. But I got myself a small toy uh, guitar. I started learning on my own. Then when I moved to Nigeria, I was a member of the choir. I was the only one who could play guitar. So that's how everything evolved. And uh, I, I just learned it <laughs> just, just like that. So you're pretty, uh, by, you're by pretty self-taught. You kind of taught yourself more or less, it sounds like. Yeah? Oh, yeah. yeah. I never had a teacher. Right. Never had anyone. Yes. You're you're the best teacher you could have had, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. That's TV. You know, you see my records yeah. back here, and I'm always curious and crazy about records. How did you learn about um, new music when you were growing up? You know, were there what was the what were the hot music uh, that was coming to you? Uh, what, was there a big uh, Western influence? Was there a big American influence? Did you have those records, or or what kind of? How did you guys kind of? Uh, figure out what what records were cool and um, and what you wanted to play or emulate. When I was a kid, actually, my brother uh, that was some years of, of album, the album, the last album we did was called Medaho, which means my big brother. Oh, okay. He were, he had a lot of uh, records from um, the U.S., Europe, every kind of music, even rock, the Who. Right. This and that. I, um, James Brown, especially James Brown. 
So he will play it on and on, and I will listen to it. Then he will make me sit and listen to. Uh, instead of going after school, going to play soccer, he will, he will force me to sit down with him and listen. That's how I started uh, absorbing this kind of music. But my father also had a stash of uh, uh, vinyls, but only Nigerian music, you know, juju music, old music, right. uh, not Felakuti. Yeah, Felakuti, I was listening to Felakuti on, on the radio, and that's it. So I was absorbing those things unknowingly, but when I went to Nigeria, it just, you know, busted out. So I decided to, to embrace it. Right. And and I guess you practiced your James Brown scream along with those James Brown records. You got a great a great scream. Well, I always wanted to do it. I never did it until I, I met the band. I I never grow on my own. I never did it, not even once. But as in the course of uh, doing, uh, I mean, recording the first album with Superyama, right. I said, oh, let me let it out. It was somewhere. <laughs> oh, cool. That's interesting. That's interesting. There was something about the music that you were playing that made you, ah, you really wanted to do, you know, you, you could do that in the grocery store if the line is very long and, and get everybody out of the way, you know, get everybody moving. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no. I, I'll try that. <laughs> Give it a shot. That's cool. Um, Afrobeat is, uh, you know, the last 10 years it's been so popular and there are a lot of younger bands out there getting into the sound and this groove. But the cool thing about you is you're, you know, you're the real article and you have a lineage that goes back to the source. And uh, of course, you've got some younger folks in the band too. You know, how do you sort of direct them to get the, the groove that you want? You know, what differentiates you guys from some of those other folks playing this kind of music now? Days. Well, there's this proverb uh, that says, uh, when two people, I don't want to call it in the country, meet, they open a store. So uh, there was just a station of what I'm looking for and vice versa. Um, it wasn't difficult at all uh, because they know, they already know the sound, they know the music already. Right. So I just, I just make sure that that's the right one. You know, sometimes you know things, you're not sure you're doing it, but then you meet someone who really knows it, they say, oh, so I was right. That's the kind of thing that happened. So right. it is a combination of knowledge that we acquire over the years that we put together. And since you're a James Brown fan, do you like find the guys if they're like off the off the beat for a second, right? He used to find the guys <laughs> like $5 every time they had to stop or something, right? And they was Oh yeah, we, we went through the same thing. A fella is the finals. Um, if your instrument is not well tuned, if you come late, um, if you don't come for a sound check, you, or you made a mistake, he knows. You 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 hear the wrong note, you look back, and you know you're fine. I mean, you, every, you, it happens you, every time. That's great, man. And <laughs> but we don't do that here. What's that? We don't do that here. <laughs> You don't do that. No, no, no. Daniel, uh, Daniel. We, we don't find. You're a cool guy. You're a cool we guy. We don't find nobody because we are fine. Right, <laughs> right. Daniel, did you play a lot of this music? Did, did you and the guys uh, play a lot of this style, uh, you know, this groove-oriented stuff before you met him? Or how did you kind of get this group together? Yeah, um, so we, strangely enough, um, a few of us grew up in North Carolina. And when we were in our early twenties, um, 
we met a musician from Senegal named Mamadou Mbenge, who is a talking drum master. And he kind of got us into African music. Um, so we, we were sort of introduced to African music um, by him, by learning these like really like roots rhythms from Senegal uh, way before we got into um, Nigerian Afrobeat. And because we were one of the only bands uh, in the region that, that played African music, um, we would get opening gigs. You know, we opened for Shea and Kuti in Atlanta um, one time with, with uh, Egypt 80. And, um, and we opened for Auntie Ballas a couple of times when they would come through the Southeast. Right. So that, that's kind of how we got into Afrobeat. And then we, you know, in 2013, we decided to move to New York and just immerse ourselves in that scene and in that music even more. And just right away started, you know, playing at, at African, you know, jazz clubs in Harlem and um, DIY kind of um, warehouse parties in Brooklyn. And we were, I don't know, we were just kind of, I don't know what pushed us in that direction specifically, but we just gravitated towards um, the music from Benin and this, this band called Orchestra Polyrhythmo. And so, you know, we were kind of doing our thing, um, writing original songs that were influenced by those more like obscure bands mm -hmm. from West Africa. And we were making an album where we thought that we would just have different guest singers on the album. And in doing so, we linked up with Kaleta. Um, shout out to our friend Nick Hill, who connected us with Kaleta. Um, and, we, you know, we all thought that Kaleta was from Nigeria because we'd heard that he played guitar for King Sunny Ade and Fela Kuti. And so we sent him a couple tracks that were like that were that we'd recorded that were Nigerian influenced. And he liked them enough to to get on the phone with me. And then once we got on the phone, he, you know, he was telling me sort of his story and how he was born in Benin, but moved to Nigeria as a teenager. Yeah. And I was like wait a minute, you're from Benin? Like, I didn't know that, you know? And, and so I was like, let me, let me send you these other tracks, you know? And, and I sent him a bunch of other tunes and, and he liked those even more. He was like, wow, these, I can't believe you guys are into this stuff. And right, right. Um, he was supposed to sing on two songs on, on the record and he ended up singing on eight. And we were just like, all right, I guess we've, we've found a, the perfect match, you know? Yeah. And so when was that? How long ago was that? So that was um, 2017. Yes. When we started working with Kalejana. So it's been a little over five years now. Minus two years. Minus minus the COVID. We're all two years younger than uh, we should be. I think we should take two years <laughs> off of our lives, you know, and say we're two years younger. Um, a yes. lot of your music, obviously, is groove-oriented. Um, but as you mentioned, you guys were trying to write, you know, your, there's also a, a composition element here. How do you keep, how do you co compose these tunes, you know, making them sort of danceable, but yet fresh and interesting while still, you know, giving you that, that, that groove to, to move around? Well, I think it's, it's been much easier since we've met Kaleta because, you know, for three years, we were an instrumental band and we were, you know, with instrumental music, you it takes a little more effort to to make it interesting and you know putting the arrangements together in a way that are going to be entertaining and exciting and then once you find a singer it's it's a lot more simple you know so now we can 
we can work out a groove, you know, maybe Kaleta brings a groove to the table that's, you know, specific to something he grew up on. And once we get the groove cooking, you know, and one, and then he, he's added the lyrics. It's like the song is, is almost complete. We just have to, you know, maybe, maybe put a horn, um, part in there, maybe, maybe a little hook, maybe a bridge, but it's, it's way easier with a singer. I don't, I don't know if you have anything to add. Yeah, uh, exactly. He said it all. <laughs> well, yeah. once, so once the groove comes pretty naturally to us and, you know, we just go from there. And once he adds his scream, then you're done. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's ready to go. That's it. Right. Where, where else can you go from there? You perfect. Know? Perfect. <laughs> perfect. Yes. Yeah. Um, tell me about, you know, and, and we're talking about your live uh, being on the road now. Um, how do you, how have you been fitting in with the other people on the bill with you? You know, are they, are they other primarily sort of uh, rhythmic Afrobeat stuff or are you, you're playing with some rock bands too. I mean, how have the audiences been sort of adjusting to uh, the change in genres on stage, especially at the festivals, I guess. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, we love, we love to mix it up. I mean, some of our favorite shows are when we end up being paired with like an indie rock band that has, that also has high energy. Um, we definitely don't, it, do, it doesn't need to be another Afrobeat band on the yeah. bill. And sometimes that can be overkill. Right. Um, and it does happen and that can go great as well. If it's like a, if it's a world music festival, um, we just played the world music festival of Chicago a couple of nights ago. And there were some amazing bands on that lineup that were kind of in our, um, in the same genre, but it, you know, it, it doesn't have to be that way. And, and like you said, when we, show up at these festivals, it, it can be anything, you know, like I think we fit in well, you know, sometimes the festival is, is caters towards like jam bands and, and that crowd loves us, you know, and, and we're just like, cool, you know, whoever, you know, whoever's, um, you know, into the music and, and as long as they're dancing and having a good time, we, you know, it's all good. <laughs> right. Well, I would think that it's what, what you guys bring to the stage, uh, especially at maybe a rock oriented festival would be so, uh, you know, just so refreshing to, to that crowd. You know, you, you guys must be like a, uh, a, a, just a real refreshing break from the other bands and they, the other bands I'm sure appreciate it too. It's like, Oh, then they don't have to follow each other. You know, they have something that's, uh, that's a little more of a, um, uh, you know, doing something a little different than they're doing. There's a little less competition between you guys. You can just sort of, um, you know, uh, accent one another. That's yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we played a EDM music festival a couple months ago in right. in Pennsylvania, and it was like we were like the only <laughs> live funk band there, and people loved it. It just kind of it broke it up a little bit for them, I think. They've been listening to that music all weekend, and we showed up on the last day and just kind of threw down the funk, you know? Yes. Absolutely. That's cool. Afrobeat and uh, African, you know, groove records are so cool now. They're so collectible. Some of them are very, very valuable. Do you have anybody in the band that's a real, you know, vinyl head that uh, collects things or, uh, you know, has a big collection, anything like that, or any favorite records that you guys have from the last, you know, 30, 40 years? I, I definitely have, have a vinyl addiction and I think Kaleta does a little bit as well, but yeah, I, I um, there happens to be this this record store in, in my neighborhood in Brooklyn called the African Record Center, which is like it's an un unbelievable place. But but these two guys, John and Robert, who own it, they were distributors in the late seventies and, and early eighties, 
And I think they just have like dead stock of like all these records from Fela to King Sonia Day to um, African Brothers, like all, all sorts of like obscure stuff as well. And so I've gone in there and I bought a lot of 45s from them and, and some LPs as well. But um, yeah, I definitely, um, I'm definitely into the vinyl and have collected a lot of African records over the years. And I think he's got a bunch too. I have, I have a lot of them too, um, especially cassettes. Yeah, cassettes. Sure, ah. well, cassettes were a big deal. Um, uh, you know, especially it was a little more portable because I know the the records, you know, maybe would be shared and they'd get banged up. So the cassettes were a little more durable back then too. That was then. I I still have my old collection. I'm not collecting anyone any one of those. But I still have them since eighties. I can I can hear with them and I have thousands of them. But I'm collecting EDM and a lot these days because I, I collaborate with DJs sometimes. Right. And they did send them back to me, so I have a lot of them. Very cool. That's a that's an interesting mashup of genres. I like that. Uh, maybe, that's, <laughs> maybe that's something you're gonna do next. Can you can you put that stuff together? You could put it together. <laughs> yes. Well He does it quite well, actually. Yeah, every, I believe every Afrobeat tune could be, you know, uh, EDM. <laughs> There's that word. So, uh, you know, it could be much of you know, It's possible. It works. Well, and maybe that leads me to my last question. Your last album, uh, uh, as you said, Medaho. Am I pronouncing that right? Medaho? Yeah. Yes, Medaho. That was released in 2019, so I'd expect that you have something uh, new on the horizon. What's next? Are we, we, we recording, or what's the plan? Um, I'm, I'm sure you're going to tell me the same thing, so why don't you just say <laughs> so we Yeah, we do have some new recordings. Um, we recorded an album um, right before the pandemic. So, yeah, um, what was it, Mar March of 2020, actually, um, yeah. when all the news was kind of hit, we were we were out in El Paso recording a record. So we, we've been working on that and, um, and yeah, we've got some other stuff in the works, but it's, it's, uh, as these, as these things go, sometimes take a little longer than, than you'd hope, especially with the, with the vinyl production and turnaround times right now. It's like, it's, it's very tough. It is. Crazy. But it's coming. All right. That's good news. That's good news. We're excited to uh, hear what you got coming up next. <laughs> I thank you guys for hanging out and taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you're, as I said, uh, everybody knows you guys are on tour, so you need to rest up before tonight's gig and get a little uh, whatever, have a little dinner. So thanks for taking time out of your evening, and uh, I wish you the best of luck. I'm really enjoying that last album, and uh, I know our listeners are going to appreciate it too. And be good, be safe out there, be safe. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks so much. And keep that Pleasure. keep that scream in good shape, you know, because on the <laughs> record you go, wow. It's always there. All right, good. Okay, guys, thanks so much for your time and um and have a great rest of your, your tour. I wish you the best of luck. Thank you. Thanks. Take care. Radar is produced by Evan Toth in partnership with WFDU 89.1 FM and the Vinyl District. You can hear Radar on WFDU 89.1 FM or anytime online at thevinyldistrict.com.